Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. We're grateful that you're sharing part of your evening with us tonight. We're here every Thursday night to bring biblical truths to polygamists and also to obey God's command in Jude 3 that we contend for the faith so that those who believe in polygamy will know that God's plan for marriage is monogamy, that it is Jesus who saves, and polygamy has no saving graces at all. I would like to quote something before we get started uh, that a scholar, a biblical scholar, J.I. Packer, once said, and I quote, If I were the devil, one of my first claims would be to stop folk from digging into the Bible. I should do all I could to surround it with the spiritual equivalent of pits, thorns, hedges, and man traps to frighten people off, end quote. And indeed, that is exactly what the serpent accomplished in the Garden of Eden. He slithered up to Eve and asked her the age-old question, Did God really say? Well, today we hear the same question. The doubt of God's Bible, the mocking of it, the, the dismissal that it could be God's Word, the charges of inaccuracy and mistranslations, all of these insinuations are satanic having its source from the old serpent himself. And that old serpent is the devil. We're told that in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, where it says, and I quote, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. And indeed, he has led those astray who marginalize or reject the Bible because God said that he would preserve his word forever, that it would never be corrupted, and it has been protected by God Almighty himself. Now, trusting our own limited wisdom or trusting religious leadership or even trusting Joseph Smith, who admitted he didn't know where his revelations came from, is foolishness. God is the only one who absolutely cannot not lie. And this culture rejects the truths revealed by Jesus Christ and embraces the lie that the serpent told in the garden, and they don't even realize that that's what they're doing. Our co-host, Earl Erskine, is with us tonight. Hi. Welcome, Earl. From Thanks, Thanks for having me again. <laughs> coming again, joining in this discussion. Yeah, this is a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> yes, tonight we are going to have a discussion about uh, Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible because he claimed the Bible was mistranslated yeah, and, and corrupted. Needed reworking. <laughs> needed some rework done on it. So we're going to be talking about that. So it is a very interesting yeah, uh, information we're going to have. And we're going to do some comparisons of the King James Bible and this uh, version that Joseph Smith claimed he retranslated. There is an article on the website uh, mrm.org 
It's an excellent article that's written there about Joseph Smith's charges against the Bible, and we suggest that you take time to read it when you can. But anyway, in, uh, in before we get started, we want to quote something that Joseph Smith said in the History of the Church. Yeah, in the History of the Church, he says, I believe the Bible as it read when it came from the pen of the original writers. Ignorant translators, careless transcribers, or designing and corrupt priests have committed many errors. So there's, he's laid down the gauntlet yeah, there. Yeah, he has. <laughs> he's made the charge. Yeah. that, uh, And those charges are against God's words, uh, yeah. against God's promised he would keep his word, and Joseph Smith is claiming here that he didn't. Now he said, ignorant translators, careless transcribers, and designing and corrupt priests have been the culprits in, in corrupting the Bible transmission through the ages. But Joseph Smith, did he have any proof that all of this violence was done against God's word. He didn't have any proof at all. He never, never so. brought any forward no. at any rate. No. So let's look at what he said. He said, ignorant translators took part in corrupting the Bible. Well, historically, it wasn't ignorant translators who handled the translation of the Bible. It was actually concerned guardians. It was committed groups of intelligent and trained and educated people who worked on the Bible translations. People who knew the biblical languages, people who had a passion for accuracy. Joseph Smith was wrong. He also said that careless transcribers were involved with the biblical corruption. Well, mistakes obviously can happen sure. in any translation process, but for Joseph Smith, to charge that there were careless transcribers is actually preposterous, especially when Joseph Smith himself was ignorant of the historical <laughs> biblical transcri transcribing process. Uh, and had he known, he never could have honestly said yeah. what he said about them. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of outstanding ancient uh, Bible manuscripts which can be compared to each other to determine if and where corrections or edits have been made. Errors, deletions, or additions are easily detected by those comparisons, and those errors that Joseph Smith seemed to think were there are just not there. Well, and I've heard that the Jewish transcribers took great care in, in transcribing from one document to another that they would make sure that they had the right number of letters and that everything was exactly mm -hmm. the way yeah. they were. They took a great deal of care. They did. Absolute, the, absolute care. Yeah. Um, Earl, there's a message there on the screen <laughs> for you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oddly enough, uh, the person who, who did purposely and carelessly change the biblical text was Joseph Smith himself. Yeah. He's the one who did that. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Joseph Smith also said that designing and corrupt priests were involved with the corruption of the Bible. And we talked a couple of weeks ago at the, about the myth that it was the Catholic Church that perpetrated the corruption of the Bible. That's the story I was told when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, that's what we thought. That's what you yeah, were told too. Yeah. Um, but no one ever checks it out to say if it's true. They just believe it because someone said it and yeah. told 
told them they were told to believe it, but it isn't true. And Joseph Smith said designing and corrupt priests, which is giving the impression that they purposely agreed to mistranslate or change the Bible to make it agree with their own preconceived ideas. But there is no evidence whatsoever for Joseph Smith's charges, no proof to back up what he claimed. It's easy to see that Joseph Smith was merely making a way for his own ideas so that he could hold authority over the people rather than the Bible holding authority yeah. over the people. In fact, if the pr corrupt priests did make changes, they did a poor job because the church is the Catholic church and so on. Their doctrines aren't in the, many of them aren't in they're the not, Bible either. You'd think that there. they would have put them in mm -hmm. if they were actually making a, a change. So. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely a good point. Yeah. Um, there's a commandment from God that says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. And unless this charge of Joseph Smith can personally and accurately be verified, those who repeat it and those who teach it need to be held accountable for bearing false witness against God's word and leading people astray. Now, another quote that we've pulled from this article on MRM.org is an interesting It, it sure is. If Smith's claim had any validity, it would be a conspiracy of monumental proportions. For this conspiracy to be successful, the powers behind these corrupt priests would have to collect and destroy any and all handwritten manuscripts that did not contain the same alterations, or at least a great majority of them, since the New Testament was being hand-copied in areas all over the known world, getting rid of the extant documents that did not conform to current alterations would be impossible. That's right. It would yeah. be absolutely impossible. And I don't think that the people who, who perpetrate the, this charge against yeah. the Bible even understand what they're saying. I think you're right. This. And I think they're thinking of it in a linear sort of a way where, mm -hmm. where there's one document and it's being changed along the way. But mm -hmm. there were, as you say, thousands of, of uh, synagogues and s thousands of groups and they all had their own copies of mm -hmm. different documents and and we can compare them now to see and they're accurate right. they've been yeah. transcribed accurate so if corrupt priests were destroying the integrity of biblical manuscripts they couldn't possibly have destroyed them all because there were too many thousands of them they'd never be able to find them all and and make all their changes to 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 agree with each other and there or north could they have found them all to destroy them so the ones that they couldn't find and the ones they couldn't destroy or change uh, would prove that the originals hadn't been tampered with. And to further disprove these allegations, in all the thousands of, of ancient New Testament manuscripts available today, there is not only no evidence of Roman Catholic doctrine in them that, that uh, if they had that made those made changes those would be there, there's no evidence of any Mormon doctrine having been left out of a single one of them. So that's something to consider as well. And here's another little bit from that article. To insist precious truth was purposely removed from the text is of course an argument from silence based on no proof whatsoever. No proof whatsoever. Yeah. They just made the charge and then they run with it and nobody checks it out. And nobody checks see if it it's out. Accurate. And an interesting, another uh, interesting summary from Bill McKeever on MRM.org at the end of his article goes like this. And this is very interesting. You should listen yeah. to this. Yeah. The irony in Smith's accusation is that he seems to be describing himself. 
When he took it upon himself to revise the Bible in 1830, he had no expertise in ancient languages. Would this not make him an ignorant translator? And if we find a pattern of Smith making alterations that conflicted with ancient texts, while at the same time supporting his presently held views, would that not also make him both designing and corrupt? Unfortunately, most will never consider the obvious truth that it was their founding prophet who was guilty of tampering with God's word. If the Joseph Smith translation was indeed an inspired version, it seems apparent that this inspiration did not begin with God, but was rather an attempt by Smith to deceive those whose admiration for him far exceeded their ability to discern. And so, Isn't that good? <laughs> it is very, very good, and it is so true. But that the the one we can prove that made those changes, unauthorized changes, is Joseph Smith himself. So historically, the claim that the Catholic Church and corrupt priests changed the words in the Bible is just plain false. Many versions of the Bible have been translated through the years. And as, uh, as more ancient Hebrew and Greek manuscripts are being found, many of them actually predate the Catholic Church. Yeah. And when you compare them with the current edition of the Bible, we find that they are remarkably free from errors. And more and more uh, ancient manuscripts uh, continue to be found, and none of them correspond to Joseph Smith's inspired version, not a single one. Instead, we find that they validate God's promise that yeah. He would preserve His Word, which God has preserved His Word throughout the century. So next week and tonight, we are going to compare some of the revisions that Joseph Smith made to the King James translation of the Bible. We want our viewers to understand that Joseph Smith did no favors for himself or for his church or for his followers when he tampered with God's Word. And we especially want our polygamous viewers to know those places where the Bible does not favor polygamy, Joseph Smith did not make changes in those places. In other words, Smith did not change the Bible to be in favor of polygamy. Neither did he make changes in other pet doctrines of Mormonism, uh, doctrines that polygamists cling to as well as the LDS Church. He never made changes uh, that would that support the word of wisdom or celestial marriage right. or, or three degrees of glory or Jesus and Satan being brothers and, and all the other doctrines they believe that are not Christian or biblical. Um, many of our viewers have been taught that Joseph Smith never finished the translation. We need to uh, start with that yeah. because right now there's many viewers out there saying, well, he never he finished. Never you finished. can't do that. Yes, we can because he did finish. Doctrines and Covenants 73 verses 3 and 4 explain. Yeah, in the DNC, Doctrine and Covenants. Now verily I say unto you, my servants, Joseph Smith Jr. and Sidney Rigdon, saith the Lord, is it, it is expedient to translate again. And inasmuch as it is practicable to preach in the regions round about until conference, and after that it is expedient to continue the work of translation until it be finished. So here we have the command from God to finish yeah. the translation. Okay. okay. And then so history of the church. Mm -hmm. Here we go. In regard to the printing of the new translation, it cannot be done until we can attend to it ourselves. And this we will do as soon as the Lord permits. So here he's talking about printing the translation, which sounds like it's done because just a few pages later, he says yeah. it is finished. And pa that was three si page 365. On 369, he says, In a letter mailed this week, you will doubtless, before you receive this, have obtained information about the new translation. As I am going off immediately in company with Brother Frederick 
to proclaim the gospel, we think of starting tomorrow, having finished the translation of the Bible a few hours since. They finished. He said he finished the translation. You can't use that excuse anymore because he said he finished it. So according to Joseph Smith, he was commanded to it, he printed, and he did it. And he claimed he translated the Bible, but he didn't know Old Testament biblical Hebrew. He didn't know uh, New Testament biblical Greek to be able to actually accurately translate uh, into English. And so he didn't translate the Bible. He revised it. That's what he did. So let's compare some of Joseph Smith's changes to the Bible. First, we must realize and keep in mind that a huge portion of the Book of Mormon was copied word for word from the King James Bible. So we're going to look at a typical example of differences between the King James Bible, the Book of Mormon that was copied, and the Joseph Smith version. So let's start with 3 Nephi 14, uh, verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. Okay, now read the King James, Matthew, And this will sound very familiar. (laughs) Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. So these two passages are identical. They are. From the Book of Mormon and the King James Bible. But Joseph Smith made some changes in his version of the Bible, and they are in Matthew 7, 10, and 11, because he changed the verses too. He changed the numbers uh, (laughs) with his other editions. But here he says, And the mysteries of the kingdom ye shall keep within yourselves, for it is not meet to give that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls unto swine, lest they trample them under their feet. For the world cannot receive that which ye yourselves are not able to bear. Wherefore, ye shall not give your pearls unto them, lest they turn again and rend you. So he, he, he changed, yeah. but he didn't change what he put in the Book of Mormon. Yeah, I think the, the polygamists and the Latter-day Saints, people that believe in this Book of Mormon, have to consider this, this information. <laughs> because here the, here the Book of Mormon is identical to the, the Bible, which presumably preceded, uh, was 600 B.C. is when they had this... Uh, plates of Laban that this this would have come from. I guess maybe this Matthew here is when Jesus comes to the to the Americas. But um, and then when he translates the inspired version, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, he uses different wording. Mm-hmm. So you, you something has to be wrong. Something here. is wrong here, yeah. even within the, their Mormon documents themselves. Yeah. He copied hun- hundreds of verses from the Bible into the Book of Mormon, but when he went about rewriting the Bible, he didn't go back or couldn't go back and change no. the Book of Mormon no. to to match what he changed in uh, his revised version. So we need to ask, who could we trust? I mean, what could we trust here? Uh, the Book of Mormon, uh, Joseph Smith, or the Bible, or what version? I mean, where? what is the trust factor here? I think we need to stick with God and, and not Joseph Smith. So. Joseph Smith's own doctrines aren't even consistent with themselves. If the Book of Mormon is the most correct book on the earth and the most correct book ever written, shouldn't it agree with Joseph Smith's translation if it was correct? And why haven't subsequent church presidents or polygamy group prophets made the corrections that Joseph Smith might have missed? I mean, after all, according to Joseph Smith, they're all supposed to be seers and revelators. Doctor and Covenants 107 says so. It says, and again, the duty of the president of the office of the high priesthood is to preside over the whole church and to be like unto Moses. Behold, here is wisdom, yea, to be a seer, a revelator, a translator, and a prophet, having all the gifts of God which he bestows upon the head of the church. 
So the presidents of the church at any given time says right here, a seer, a revelator, a translator, and a prophet. So if there was changes that should have been made that he missed, why haven't they made them? The heads of the polygamy groups yeah. or the LDS church itself uh, uh, have not done any, fixed any of these plain and precious things that they claim have been removed. And in fact, as far as I know, no leader since Joseph Smith that I'm aware of has even tried and he didn't fix much of it himself. Mm. So let's compare some of those verses where, where there's uh, one and only, only one God. Wow. We know Mormonism teaches there's many gods, a plurality of gods. We know that. I was taught that growing up. Yes, it too. says it in Mormon scriptures that, that we can be gods. So we're going to go through this and see what the Bible says, what Joseph Smith's Bible says, and what Joseph Smith said. So let's start with Isaiah chapter 43, verses 10 and 11. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Okay, beside him, there's no Savior. Before him, no God. After him, no God, okay? Yeah. So let's look and see what Joseph Smith's version did to change those verses. No changes. Nope, no changes. <laughs> he never changed those verses. If there's a multitude of gods, why didn't Joseph Smith say so? He, t he taught there were many gods later. In fact, King Follett Discourse. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, this is something he came up with later in the King Follett Discourse. <laughs> Here then is eternal life to know the only wise and true God, and you have got to learn how to be gods yourselves, the same as all gods have done before you. Okay, so here... <laughs> That it doesn't fit, you yeah. know, and, it, and, and so and just in case you think, well, maybe he didn't have a, a good enough chance to, to make that in the Bible, let's read some more. Isaiah 44, verse 6. Yeah, basically the same thing. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Absolutely. And yeah. Isaiah 44, 8 says, is there a God besides me? Yea, there is no God, I know not any. And again, Joseph Smith did not make any changes in his translation of these verses. He didn't, he didn't even touch them. Uh, so, uh, he, so for those who embrace Mormonism and for those polygamists who live polygamy, thinking that they're going to earn godhood by living polygamy, uh, according to Joseph Smith's version, you, it must stand. If he's your prophet, if he's the one who, and he is the one who yeah. said you had to live polygamy to please God, uh, why didn't he make those changes? I, I just think it's, there's something dreadfully wrong you need to think about. Well, I think too, and put, putting this in perspective, you mentioned earlier that this was done in the early 1830s. Mm -hmm. uh, Joseph Smith, uh, I believe, believed in one God until into the 1835's uh, later region. Mm -hmm. The Book of Mormon preaches one, one God. God. Mm -hmm. The Lectures of Faith shows, talks about one God. All of those things were written and established. These are things that brought me out of the church to realize that Joseph Smith had this concept of one God at the beginning, and this is when he did this translation or this revised version of the, of the Bible which meant to me that he could not have seen God, the Father, and Jesus in 1820. Yeah. It couldn't have happened. I don't know what would have happened if Joseph had written this Bible or gone through the Bible 
1843, mm. after he had developed. Oh, that would have been a whole different story, wouldn't it? He would have torn it up completely by changing, because now he had all these new concepts. And uh, this isn't line upon line precept on right. precept concept. This is, we're talking about God. Mm -hmm. Is there one God or are there many gods? Right. Can and we become having, God or not? Having the wrong God yeah. is, is uh, eternally... It's a problem. <laughs> the end. Uh, that's yeah. it. Well, let's look at the New Testament comparison to see if it's consistent. And we'll start with Mark chapter 12, verse 32. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. Okay, now Joseph Smith in his version made a little bit of a change in that verse, only it's in verse 37 in his book rather than verse 30, 32, and this is what he said. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but him. So there's one God, and the only thing he changed was the last word. He and him. From yeah. he to him. Yeah. So Joseph Smith left us to believe that there's only one God. Another comparison in James 2.19. Yeah. Uh, it says, Thou believest there, that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Okay. And in the Joseph Smith version, it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Thou hast made thyself like unto them, not being justified. So he added verse, He added some words to the verse, but he didn't change the verse that there's only, that there's only one, one God. God. And then it was, a, like we said later, that he claimed there was a plurality uh, of God. So we obviously cannot trust uh, his version or things that he taught. Yeah. Let's look quickly at the word of wisdom. Uh, what did Joseph Smith do with that Mormon doctrine that the polygamists believe in as well as uh, the FLDS don't hold on to that too tightly, but the other really? polygamy groups do <laughs> and um, the, the LDS do. So doctrine Here's, of covenants is the word of wisdom. Let's yeah, it's section 89, the first couple of verses. A word of wisdom for the benefit of the council of high priests assembled in Kirtland and the church and also the saints in Zion to be sent greeting not by commandment or constraint, but by revelation and the word of wisdom, showing forth the order and will of God in the temporal salvation of all saints in the last days. So he claims that God gave revelation of the word of wisdom. Right. And that is to, to refrain from certain foods and drinks. Right. Let's see what the New Testament says about abstaining from certain food and <laughs> drinks. This is the King James Version. Romans 14, it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And from 1 Timothy 4, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Wow. Okay, that's a, that is a <laughs> wow. Good. So we've yeah. got a couple of verses there. Now the word meats in the King James Version, if you get into your dictionary, your Bible dictionary, the word meats means different various kinds of food, different kinds of food, not just meat, but, Pro protein but, <laughs> but food that yeah. you'd put on your table. That's what that word means. So Joseph Smith's version, none of these verses were changed in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 3, and the, or in, in Romans 4, 17. 
so the word of wisdom in the doctrine and covenants is a fraud. Joseph Smith had the opportunity to to make any changes here that that might need to be made from the King James Bible, and he didn't change the eating requirements that the New Testament talks about. So uh, God doesn't change. No, and it, James it, one says, I'm sorry, <laughs> with with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. No shadow of turning. God, yeah. He doesn't change. And so we have one more passage that we want to read in Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as thou living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will, in will worship, in hum and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So that obviously is telling us that that t telling people not to eat certain things or drink certain things yeah. has absolutely no uh, honor to God, nor does it have any godliness, uh, value for godliness in the person. Joseph Smith, uh, he Did didn't change, change verse 20, yeah. but in verse 21 and 22, let's see what he said. Okay, he made these changes, which are after the doctrines and commandments of men who teach you to touch not, taste not, handle not, all those things which are to perish with the using, which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will, worship, and humility, and neglecting the body as to the satisfying the flesh, not in any honor to God. So it doesn't honor God. Joseph yeah. Smith clearly said in his revision of the Bible yeah. to refrain from certain foods is not necessary and it doesn't honor God and it's not true wisdom. Yeah. That's what he said, and that is, yet it's called the word of wisdom. So why do the followers of Joseph Smith continue to embrace food and drink restrictions? Don't you read his Bible? According to his version, you're free to eat and drink whatever you want, and in refusing that freedom, he said, is not honoring to God. Now, an interesting note is that the pioneers, Mormon pioneers that were heading west out of Nauvoo were required to include tea and coffee as they loaded their wagons for the journey. Comprehensive History of the Church, Volume 2 by B.H. Robert has a wow. list of all the things that every wagon was supposed to be, every family, I think of five, was supposed to have in their wagon before they started west, and tea and coffee were required to be part of what they brought. Wow. Why? Does God change <laughs> that? I mean, he says here it's okay, then he yeah. has a word of wisdom that it's not okay, and then the pioneers, when they go west, it's okay to have. Um, I'm very, sure they consider it a word of wisdom, <laughs> and, and not by way of commandment, but now it's But he changed. said it was a revelation from God, That's though. That's right. He, did, he said it was. Changed. Let's quickly go to the subject of necromancy. This is very important. Yeah. Deuteronomy, uh, the Chapter 18, Bible. yeah. There shall not be found among you anyone that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. Now, necromancy is mentioned here, and is defined by Old Testament Hebrew as to seek out the dead. <laughs> Joseph Smith said... In history of in the history church, of the, church. Yeah. the greatest responsibility in this world that God has laid upon us is to seek after our dead. 
This doctrine was the burden of the scriptures. Those saints who neglected in behalf of their deceased relatives do it at the peril of their own salvation. So Deuteronomy says don't do it, yeah. and he says that's the greatest responsibility is to do it. Yeah. That's direct in your face against God commandment. That's, that's what the temples are all about. That's what fam the Mormon family history is all about, mm -hmm. um, that's right. is seeking out the dead. And he calls it an abomination. And Joseph Smith's version, what did he do with Deuteronomy? Nothing. Didn't change it. He had the opportunity to change it if God wanted them to do it, but he didn't change it. All the dead works in the temples are in violation of God's revelation to man and in violation even of Joseph Smith's own revision of the Bible. We have to say why. Surely you would ask that same question. Well, let's answer the, uh, open the telephones and, yeah. and invite our callers or our viewers to call in if you want to enter the conversation, uh, comments, ask questions. Uh, uh, just call us at 801-973-8820-973-TV20. And as the calls come in, we will share our message with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And with our co-host, Earl Erskine, we have been discussing uh, the King James Bible versus the 
revision that Joseph Smith made to the King James Bible called the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, but he didn't do any translating because he didn't know any of the languages. Uh, we've been able to share part of it. If we have time, we'll share more tonight. And next week will be part two of the sharing the comparison of the two Bibles. Uh, and we're going to compare <clears throat> next week um, ideas like who God is, uh, eternal marriage, three levels of heaven, polygamy, of course, and is Jesus and Satan really brothers uh, as we look in both of those Bibles. So uh, we would uh, yeah. uh, urge you to turn in next, tune in next week as we finish this discussion. Our telephone lines are open. Anyone who wants to call in and have questions or make comments, please do. Our phone number is 801-973-8820. I thought right here that I'd kind of take a, a little side street <laughs> and and just make a few comments on the present controversy huh? that is going on uh, with the women of Mormonism who want the priesthood. Normally uh, we don't get involved with that here but I just thought about this this afternoon and I couldn't resist making <laughs> the comments that I have in mind here. In true Christianity there isn't even a question about women having the priesthood uh, because all Christians, including women, have a royal priesthood that's given to us directly from God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, which is written to Christians, tells us that we, all of us, male and female, are all a royal priesthood. The blessings that God gives to those who place their faith in Him alone are not exclusive to the male or the female. So if more <clears throat> excuse me, if Mormonism is Christian, why the fight for the priesthood for the women that God has already given to all Christians equally, whether it's male or female? That's Christian right. women don't have to fight for our priesthood rights because God gave us the royal priesthood. Yeah. And guess what? Joseph Smith didn't change first Peter chapter two, verse nine, in his translation. Wow. We all have the royal priesthood, male that's and amazing. female equally. So that's just something for you to think about. Um, it's the freedom that Jesus gives us as Christians, which is where the truth is at, yeah. uh, just frees us up from all of those kinds of controversies. Okay, we have some calls coming in. We have line one, Olivia, calling in Utah. Yes. Hello, Olivia. Hi. Yes, you're on the air. Well, I just wanted to really give you guys a thank you for explaining the things that you have. Being a former LDS and living in Utah, I left the church because I always felt like there was something wrong about it. It just didn't feel good in my heart. I just didn't know what it was. And I just think it's great that you guys are, you know, showing the doctrines and the scriptures and, and actually what Joseph Smith was, you know, doing to manipulate the people. And I just really want to thank you guys. And I hope that your guys' word spreads and more people will come to Christ, the true Christ. That's what we want. That's exactly what we want. And you know, Olivia, this touches the, the polygamists as well because they believe uh, as strongly in Joseph Smith as the mainline church does. They hang on to everything he said and everything he taught. Yeah, Yeah. well, my niece is actually in a polygamist um, commune place right now, and we're trying to get her out of there. Oh, so my. We'll yeah. just Give me a call, please, if, please, that we can get her out. Uh, Olivia, give me a call if you need any help with that, because we do that behind the scenes. 
Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Olivia. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I think people appreciate the support. I know I did coming out. I was watching TV 20 and your show particularly in, in Heart of the Matter, but <coughs> I was hearing things that were supporting what I was starting to think and find. And as I studied, I, I really felt a, like I wasn't alone, mm -hmm. just knowing that others had, had gone through this thought process and that they were confirming things that I had learned. It was very yeah, helpful. It, so it is when you know you've, you're not You've alone. done a good work yeah, over these, well, and you had your seven-year, or six-year six year. program last week, yeah, and it was wonderful, yeah, so you've done a Working great on work. seven years now. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God for that. Okay, we have line two, uh, Richard in Taylorsville calling. Hello, Richard. Hello. Yes, you're on the air, Richard. <clears throat> you're on the air. Yeah, my name is uh, Richard, uh, calling for Taylorsville, uh -huh. a question for you. Okay. What's your uh, question? Can you tell me uh, who the scholars <coughs> were that wrote the uh, King James Version of the Bible? Who the scholars were that wrote? Uh, yeah. Mo Moses wrote the first five books. and uh, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. How about the last, uh, the last Gospels? The, last, uh, the, the New Testament? Matthew wrote Matthew, and Luke wrote Luke, and Mark wrote Mark, and John wrote John, and he also wrote Revelation, and First and Second and Third John, and Paul wrote um, uh, Romans, Romans and, and Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, First and Second Corinthians, yeah. Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Philippians, I think he First has and a, Second Thessalonians. Well, well, I, think, that, well I, I understand the Gospels think he had wrote a point. them, but who put together? The the, uh, the Bible as we hear, see it today, the King James Version. Who took all of those translations and put them into the actual wording of the Bible that we have today? Well, the the Jews were the ones that held together the the no, Old no, Testament. No, that's not true. Now, did you ask me a question, or are you going to tell me my answer? <laughs> well, I know what the Jews did. I'm I know we have the Bible today originated in England from King James. The King, King James, James the King gathered James a bunch Bible. of scholars together and they came up with the uh, King James version of the Bible. The King James translation. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. The okay. King James but translation. The scholars that the King put together to put this Bible uh, okay. that we have today out. Richard, the, the, the scholars. I don't know the name of the scholars that put them together, but the Jews are the ones that handled the Old Testament, and it was already a Bible, a book, yeah, for, for the Jews when Jesus came. Then when Jesus came and the the uh, apostles and disciples began writing, they, they were writing to people. When you can read the beginning of every book, to the Corinthians, it says, to the Corinthian church, to the Colossians, it says, to the church of Colossae. These, these were letters written by people that were sent to the churches, and they collected those letters and put them together. And, and when the doctrine all fits together nicely without contradiction, as the years and the centuries went by, the churches had put these together and were using them to teach the people the truth about Jesus Christ and salvation. And it came together as a book. And, and people would uh, 
they they agreed that these all were inspired letters written and that's how the Bible came together in the same order and as well they, the, the tradition of had the, having them in the same order of Romans uh, first and second Corinthians the thing that we need to understand Richard Richard the thing that we need to understand that I don't think most people give God credit for is that he is in charge of his word and every single thing that happened with his word whether it was Old Testament or New Testament or churches or people that are involved in bringing it together he is the one who gave them the power to do what they did with his word to protect it and and to bring it all together in the single book that we have today. Okay, God one, one last question. Uh-huh. Last question. One last question for you. Okay. okay. Why did they leave out the other 100, 150 Gospels? Because God didn't want it there. Bible. That's why. I they they didn't did agree. They uh, Richard, if they contradict what was well, in no, the Bible. I'm talking about the Gospel of Mary. I'm talking, I'm about talking the Gospel Richard, of Judas. Richard, I am talking about contradictory. I'm talking, you read those Gospels, and they're going to contradict what the rest of the Bible says. God doesn't contradict himself. And so when they, when they read those, when people read those other Gospels, if God had wanted them in the Bible, believe me, they would be in the Bible. But they are contradictory to the doctrine, the pure doctrine that we have in the Bible that leads people to Jesus Christ and eternal life. That's why they're not there. They're not inspired of God. We have other questions coming in now. Thank you. I hope we answered your question. Okay, line three. We have Pat calling in Ogden. Hello, Pat. Hi to both of you. You're doing a great job this evening. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, Pat. Uh, Thanks, Pat. I just had a statement on the banning of tea and coffee. Okay. And, uh, I believe it was Brigham Young who banned tea and coffee. Uh, it only started when they got to Utah because it cost so much to ship it from back east and he didn't want to spend his money on that so <laughs> he told his followers I think I heard that before. He also, it, but he also told them that they needed to start growing their own tobacco because the saints were spending too much money giving them to Gentiles for the tobacco that they were using. So they were right. So I, I think a lot of things that are now seen as as a rule from God or whatever you want to call it in the Mormon Church is something that came about because of either him not wanting to spend money yeah. or it was difficult to come by or there was another excuse for it and mm -hmm. it was just easier to make it from God rather than the real reason. And, Pat, and that's a oh, good point. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Pat, you probably know this, but the actual wording in the Word of Wisdom uh, is uh, hot drinks. It doesn't actually say coffee and tea. Uh, and I always had heard, I think, that it was Hiram that came up with the the notion that the only hot drinks at the time were tea and coffee, and that's how we came up with tea and coffee. Uh, there but they are, also banned soups, hot soups. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. If, if you talk about hot drinks, there's hot cocoa, hot soups, other yeah. drinks that are hot, but somewhere along the way, either Hiram or someone later, maybe Brigham Young, uh, came up with the notion that the hot drinks meant tea and coffee because those were the only hot Isn't drinks. Isn't it interesting how they can just frivolously mess with God's Word? Yeah. 
you know, it's 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 a commandment now, but it's not. It, it wasn't then, but it is now. And yeah. oh, we don't have to do that because God understands our heart. I mean, they just frivolously yeah. mess with God's word. That's not the way God works. And there's a one scripture about not worrying about what goes in the mouth or mm-hmm. goes into the yeah, mouth, but yeah. it comes yeah, out. And Mark chapter seven is a yeah. good one to read for for that. Uh, thank you, Pat. We appreciate your input. Okay, we have line one, Lee in Salt Lake City. Hello, Lee. Uh, yes, uh, this is Lee. Uh, yeah, I just want to say I want to thank you guys for what you're doing because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are Christians that don't know about all the uh, things about Mormonism. I'm a Christian and I've never been Mormon and don't want to be. But, uh, and uh, also, you know, there's other uh, Mormons that came out of Mormonism. And they don't know a lot of things about going on with the uh, connected with the Mormon Church. Uh, so I think you're doing a lot of good service to doing that. Also, I think you're helping people get out of that uh, those groups like that they're in, like the part polygamous par- groups and stuff. I think that's awesome that you're doing that because way they're treating those people, especially the women and the children, those way of men. I think a bunch of perverted people that uh, men are. <laughs>
Well, God wrote it. That's right. The Holy Spirit. Okay. All you Scripture trust. is God-breathed. Trust. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate that. your call, Thank Kevin. You. Thanks, yeah, Kevin. Bye. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely right. I yeah. totally missed mentioning that to him, and that's so true. Okay, we have Chuck calling in Sandy. Hello, Chuck. Hi, Doris. Hello. You're on the air. I have a question. Okay. About uh, what you said about women and the priesthood. Yes. Now, of course, the Old Testament's the Word of God as well. Absolutely. Were there women that, that were that held the priesthood in the Old Testament? You know, the only people that held the priesthood in the Old Testament uh, were the sons of Aaron, were the from the tribe of Aaron. And no, mm. there were no women that held that priesthood in the Old Testament. It was the so sons of no Aaron only. So there were no women that only. held the priesthood in the no. Old Testament. No, Jehovah, of course, is the God of the Old Testament. Were there any women disciples? A disciple is someone who learns from someone. All right, let's take it. Were there any women apostles? No. no. But there were women prophets. Or women you, prophets. You read, Can you name one woman in the New Testament that was listed as being ordained to the priesthood? There's no ordination of the priesthood in the New Testament you, you by men or women. You can't find any men being ordained either. That's right. Um, what's your can point? You name, can what, you name a what, reference of any woman in the old in the New Testament that um, held the priesthood like Paul? There, there's no, there was no priesthood elders. in the New Testament at all. It's done with. Only Jesus holds the priesthood. But when you get into the Old Testament, you find that. If only, that, if only Jesus. Holds okay, the excuse me. We have a wrong. royal priesthood. We have a royal priesthood. All the other priests, the Aaronic priesthood is gone. And you read that in Hebrews chapter 8. The only one that holds the priesthood after the older order of Melchizedek is Jesus Christ. In the Old I'm Testament, not, yep. Miriam was a prophetess. In the Old Testament, Deborah, she actually was leader of Israel, and she also was a prophetess. You find in the book of Acts, women that are prophetess and that prophesied. We find the women doing all of this work for God. But the priesthood is something that is no. totally misunderstood yeah. and misused by the Mormon culture. Hang on, you had to have the priesthood to perform baptisms. No, no, absolutely not. So That's anyone could the, perform the, the, the any believer, baptism. Any believer can, yes. Can you show me an example of a woman baptizing in the New Testament? In Acts chapter 2, there were 3,000 people that got saved within the same period of time after Peter preached. And it says they got saved and they got baptized. Who baptized those 3,000 people in one day? I think they were baptizing each other. Uh, but you have, but that doesn't say it. You're making an assumption that you can't prove. I'm making, uh, from what the Bible says, 3,000 people were saved and baptized in one day. But that's true. That's and true. baptized by those who held the authority. I think you're wrong. Thank no, you. there's no, the only authority is to be a believer. God, Jesus Christ, took his disciples and he brought them up on that mountain before he uh, was ascended. And he says he gave, all authority was given to him and he gave the authority to disciples. I think... I think I misspoke. Uh, John fifteen sixteen, I think, does say that uh, Jesus, uh, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. What I failed to say was that it, it, it doesn't say that I ordained you to a priesthood. Not a priesthood. Or I gave you the Aaronic or no. the Melchizedek priesthood. In fact, Jesus didn't no. even hold the Aaronic priesthood or the Levitical priesthood because he wasn't from the tribe of Levi. Well, and there's no Aaronic priesthood at all, according to the Old Testament. It was the yeah, Levitical, Levitical priesthood, priesthood, like you just said. And, there's, and the Hebrews, read Hebrews. The priesthood is gone. 
It, the only priest is Jesus. Yeah. He's the only there priest. There is no Melchizedek priesthood. There's no yeah. Melchizedek priesthood at all. And we have another call on line three, Bob and Spanish, Spanish Fort, but I really don't think we have time to take the call. We've only got uh, a couple of minutes left. Next week, we are we had good calls tonight. We want to thank our callers. We had yeah, some, wonderful. Some, some controversial <laughs> elements come out, which is good. But I really believe, and we're, we're going to do a show sometime in the future about Jesus being the only prophet and the only priest. And I've got some good material that I'm pulling together so that we can have a good uh, discussion about that. And that will be coming up for a few months. But uh, thanks for calling. Tune in next week as we talk more about the King James Version versus the Joseph Smith Version. And, and thanks. That's really interesting. Thanks, Earl. Okay, the determining factor in whether or not we receive eternal life, of course, is our trust in God. Never in all of Scripture are we exhorted to trust in anything or anyone but God. We are not asked to trust in our works or in our family or in our family traditions or in our church or our religion or in polygamy or temples or covenants. And marriage is never a factor acknowledged by God as being something we must trust in order to please Him. We are to trust in the Lord our God and nothing and no one else. Psalm 49, 13 and 14 tells us that those who trust in themselves, that those who approve of the sayings of men are destined for the grave and death will feed on them. Trusting in ourselves is worthless. Trusting in the Lord God means we trust Him for our life here and for our eternity there. And, and that trust must be exclusive in Jesus Christ and no one and nothing else. If you trust in works or in obedience to church doctrine and ordinances, in marriage and in polygamy, your trust is in vain. Our faith is only as good as the object of our faith. And God is the only trustworthy object for our faith. Trusting religion is dangerous. Treating doctrinal issues like we talked about earlier so frivolously as though it was a buffet table. Picking and choosing what you want is guaranteed failure. There's only one way. It is all Jesus or it's no Jesus at all. It, it's, it's all His way or it's no way at all because Jesus Christ is the one who made the way. It's His way. Every other way has been made by His enemies. And the question is, which way are you on? Thanks for watching. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of the Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.